Thank you. Have a sit down. If you have a Bible, uh, it would be great if you opened it up to one, uh, 2 Peter, 2 Peter and chapter 1. We've got three Sundays where we're going to go through this short letter uh, that was written by um, the disciple Peter. And hopefully, if you can have the thing up, I will find one of these. Oh, perfect. One of them that works. So, today we're just thinking about um, guidance for growing Christians. And we're looking at... Uh, to Peter, the second letter of Peter in the New Testament, uh, and we're going to just look at the first chapter today. So the first thing I want you to say is actually we're going to look at the last few verses of that first chapter, because in the last few verses, um, Peter actually really makes the point that he, is, he has a reliable, a reliable message to actually give uh, the folks that he sends the letter to. And there are three key things that he talks about. One, he makes the point that he was actually an eyewitness, an eyewitness of seeing Jesus in the flesh and seeing him on earth and seeing all of the things that he did, including when Jesus was on the cross. Not only does he say he was an eyewitness, he says actually, we ourselves heard the voice of God that came from heaven uh, when, it said, when God said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well, ple- well pleased. So Peter says, not only did I see it, I heard God's voice as well. And then he goes on to talk a little bit about how he as a prophet, he with his message, um, is actually speaking the words of God. Because as he tells them, and and writes to them in this letter, God is guiding him in what he writes. So, first of all, the first point is this this is a pretty reliable message. Well, what do we know about Peter? Well, we knew he was a disciple, and we're pretty sure that he actually wrote this um, when he was uh, shortly to have been killed. Uh, And he was, it's probably in the late middle 60s, Uh, Nero was the emperor, Uh, Nero wasn't very happy because there was a big fire and he blamed all the Christians for that. And he wasn't a particularly nice chap. He went around and uh, basically uh, killed as many Christians as he could. And Peter was one of them. And in this letter he actually writes, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. He knew that he was going to end up being killed. And this is because Jesus actually told him that. And we can read that in John 21 when Jesus said, Feed my sheep very truly, I tell you, this is to Peter, when you were younger you dressed yourself and where you wanted and went where you wanted, but when you are old you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said, Follow me. Now, the picture up there is the school emblem, um, shield, whatever you want to call it, for a school that I was, my last school that I was in, which is called St. Peter's Church of England School in Hensford. It always made me feel a little bit uncomfortable that this was the school badge because you can see there that there's actually a cross upside down. We know the keys are there because we, you know, keys, Peter uh, got the keys for heaven and all of that stuff, but the cross that way round is because people believe that that's the way that Peter died. When when Jesus said you will stretch out your hands, 
Um, he was actually being nailed to a cross like Jesus was. Uh, but Nero, um, who wanted to make the point that he hated everything to do with Christianity, the, um, the story is uh, that actually he was crucified upside down. It's a bit weird seeing that on a five-year-old on their shirt or on their blazer. Um, it's one of the things that perhaps I would have liked to have changed if I'd been there longer. But it's a powerful message. So Peter was writing these words, knowing that his life wasn't going to be for much longer. And so when you read them, these are the key things that he wanted to get across. And I think it's really important, not only do we know that he was a reliable uh, person to write this letter and the, the things that he wrote in it, it's also really important to know that Peter was one of the first people to really get who Jesus was. Peter realised that Jesus wasn't just the Son of God, he was the Messiah, he was divine. He was God in flesh. And we read way back in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, when Peter said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And again in Acts, early on, when after Pentecost, when people were being challenged, Christians were being challenged, Peter was one of the, the very first people that stood up and explain to people that the God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. The Jews were waiting for the Messiah and Peter realised who Jesus was. And actually, fact, in the letter, when in verse 3, he starts off by saying his divine power. There's not many, not many occasions in the New Testament where we actually hear explicitly about the divinity of Christ. But Peter writes that in his letter. So let's try and get our heads around what the big picture is of this very um, short, in, in, in many ways, letter, but a really, really important letter. Um, some people for a long time sort of didn't think that Peter actually wrote this, because if you look at the letter of Jude, and you compare it to 2 Peter, there are lots and lots of similarities. There's lots and lots of phrases that are almost the same. But um, late, more lately, scholars do actually believe that uh, it was Peter that wrote this letter. So what's he trying to get at? What's he trying to get at? Here he is, knowing that he's not going to be around forever, knowing that there are people out there that want to get him, knowing that Jesus told him that his life would come uh, to an end. Um, What's he trying to say? Well, he's trying to get them to understand that there's a big problem. These were Christians who, in many ways, when we read the letter, it would suggest that these were Christians that felt quite comfortable about what they believed. They were being Christians. And I would imagine there's probably a lot of us sitting here today a bit like that. We've had our faith for some time. We're established. We know what we think. We know how we feel. And we're confident that we can call ourselves Christians. But Peter is saying, be careful. And he talks about the corruption in the world. And you'll see up there on the slide, there's all the references there if you've got your Bible in front of you. He talks about the corruption in the world. He talks about there are false teachers among you. And the biggest thing that these false teachers were saying was, do you know what all that stuff about Jesus coming back? Nah, I don't think it's true. I don't think it's true. And what Peter is doing, he's writing to people to say, actually, 
you need to watch out because there are things out there that are corrupt there are things out there of people telling things that aren't true and there are things out there even within amongst us who say that Jesus isn't going to return and he sort of almost paints this as a slippery slope you know we live in a very secular world it's so so easy to put up with things on the television things in films things that we hear or see or do but sometimes it's the beginning of doing the very things that we know that Jesus doesn't want us to do so Peter says look that's the problem and what he wants them to do is all of these things he, keep, he says it twice in this, in this uh, very chapter that we're looking at make every effort make every effort don't be just sitting there thinking that everything's okay look out for the corrupt world, look out for the false, false teachers, look out for the things that they're saying that aren't true, and make every effort. He talks about refreshing your memory. Be on your guard, he says in 2.17. And in the end, uh, near the end of chapter 2, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And he sort of says this as a bit of a warning so he says, there's the problem, this is what you've got to do, make every effort, and the reason why is because if you don't make every effort, this is what will happen. You will be ineffective as a, a, a Christian and unproductive. You will be, as a Christian, short-sighted and blind, forgetting that you've been cleansed from your sins in the past, and you put yourself in a situation where you may stumble. So what he's trying to say is actually, you know what? Christianity isn't a passive thing. Being a Christian isn't about getting there, done it, got the t-shirt, that's it. It's actually about making every effort to continue to grow as Christians. And that's a real challenge, I think, for all of us. Um, it's about, actually, if you were to Think about it. What evidence would you have that you're growing as a Christian? Even if you've been a Christian for, well, well over 63 years, what evidence have you got that you are still growing as a Christian, that you're still making every effort? And then Peter says, just in case you think this is a task too big, or too challenging, or not for you, Peter says we have everything that we need to be godly. So everything that you need and I need to be godly, to be growing as a Christian, Jesus gives us. And it's a really important point, this, is that we, we shouldn't have an excuse about um, growing as Christians, because God gives us everything that we need but we realise this through our knowledge of him now you might be able to see those pictures up on the top right hand corner there that's my lovely wife and the number 17 is because I know I, I, I have this knowledge I know that her birthday is on the 17th of February so I know that that's, she keeps reminding me as we're coming up towards the 17th of February but I know it anyway 
So, there are some things that we know because they are facts. They are written down and we read them or we know them. But actually, knowledge just comes in two different ways, doesn't it? So, I might know about God because I read about God in the Bible, but actually, my knowledge of Trace isn't just that actually her birthday is on the 17th of Feb. My knowledge of her because I live with her means that actually I know an awful lot more that isn't written down. And so, on the, you'll, you'll, you'll think I'm very romantic now. On the 17th... <laughs> on the 17th, uh, I took Trace up to the northeast coast because I know that she really loves that. On the 17th, I brought her some presents because I know that she really likes those presents because I know her. I live with her day in, day out. I listen to her moan sometimes. <laughs> I enjoy her cooking. I feel encouraged by what she says. I feel challenged sometimes by what she says. But I know her because I'm living with her. And so because I know, I know Trace, not only did I get the date right, but I took her to somewhere where she liked to go. I knew that she, there would be a certain pub that she'd like her dinner at. And I know her. She loves midget gems. Seat present. Um, <laughs> I got something else as well. But I know her because actually that's... I, she didn't tell me that. I just... I, I, I realised that early on when she used to, whenever we used to go out, she used to buy a packet of midget gems. Now, the point is, is that... What Peter is saying to the people that he writes to, God gives you everything you need, but it just doesn't come to you on a plate. What you've got to do is you've got to get to know God better. And knowing God is about reading about God in this book. But knowing God, the knowledge of God, is also about your daily life with him how you live out, how you speak to him, how you listen to him. That's when you get to know God in a way that isn't just about words. And that's what Peter is encouraging to do. And then he comes up with this quite, and in, in some ways it might be a bit of a controversial phrase, because he says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. And I have to be really, really clear here. I think one of the things that I want to say is that it's not that actually you've got to earn your faith. Your faith is there. It's been given to you by God. But actually some other versions will, will put it like this. You will build on what you've been given by complementing your basic faith. In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises to supplement your faith. Someone has put it like, we have to cooperate with the grace of God. So, next Sunday, there will be lots of people out there racing. And um, those people that were racing will already have their race entry. I think they've actually... Can't, can you? No, it's all full up. Yeah, I was too late. Um, <laughs> And so, in a sense, when you become a Christian, you're, you're in the race, you're there. And we all know that we're going to go to heaven because we, we've asked Jesus to forgive our sins because of the fact that he died on the cross for us. And so we're in there. We're a Christian. 
And actually, if I was running next week, I could get my race entry and then just turn up on the day. And I'd be in the race. Oh, thanks. Okay. Are you Googling while I'm speaking? Yes. I'll have a word with you later. Um, but actually, I'd probably come last, wouldn't I? Or I'd probably come right to the end. I might finish it. It might take me days, but I get there. Being a Christian is a bit like that, and I think this is what Peter is saying. You know, when you have a faith, God loves you. Your place in heaven is secure. Whatever those people tell you that it's not Jesus isn't coming back, he is. And he'll come back and he'll take those who believe in him back to be with him in that place, where, in that lovely mansion where there's a room for you and a room for me. You're in. But actually I want you to make every effort to run this race really well. So if I'd got an entry for the half marathon, I hope, I think Joe's got one, he's, he's been training He's been watching what he eats and he drinks. He's been building up his stamina. And um, he's ready for the race. He didn't just take it that he was in and that was it. And that's what Paul, Peter, sorry, is saying. And that's why he gives us this list of things that actually we can get better at. There's that lovely, lovely phrase, isn't there? Increasing, um, what does he say? Increasing something, doesn't he? If you possess these qualities, those qualities up there on the screen behind me, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being effect, keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Peter says, if you want to run this Christian race really well, you're in, you've got your ticket, you're going to get there, but if you want to do it really well, then these are some of the things that you need to focus on. And we won't go through all of these in detail, but you can see them there. Goodness. You know, to be really good at being a Christian. That knowledge thing about knowing Jesus and knowing God, not just through reading this, but also reading this and praying and being with him. Self-control. Apparently that, the words that um, Peter uses there, it sort of literally means the ability to take a grip of yourself. So when, you, you know, when you're struggling to be a Christian, Peter said, get some self-control. Take a grip of the situation. God has given you everything you need. Perseverance. Keeping on going. Godliness. Doing the things that God would be pleased with. Brotherly kindness. Um, Jeanne said brothers and sisters because actually the word is, is something, we probably would use the word brethren more if we were to translate it. Or even better still, we would probably use the word believers. Do you remember we talked about that a few Sundays ago? We're believers. We're a group of believers. So the kindness that believers share between each other. And actually it's not just about being kind to each other. It's actually loving each other. So we can be kind, but love takes it up a notch. And perhaps sometimes several notches. So Peter says, to be a great Christian, to be somebody that really shows Jesus how much you think his love and forgiveness is worth, get better at that stuff. Keep doing it. Make every effort. So three questions I want to leave you with this morning. Peter starts off 
um, his letter with these lovely words. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. See that word knowledge there again? We never really experience the fullness of grace and the fullness of peace unless we know Jesus better. And he starts that off because he wants to say, look, that's it, you're in this race, you've got it. That's why, because of that amazing grace from God, the generous heart of God, it says there, who determines to treat sinful men and women as he lovingly wishes rather than they, as, as they actually deserve. And that peace, the immediate result of God's grace is that his rightful anger at our disobedience is appeased and that we have peace with him. Don't forget that. Remember that. And the second thing is, the question for you and for me is, are you bothered? Some of you may not know this programme. It's a character that's on the television. Um, and she, she, she says, am I bothered? Uh, and when it was, it's probably quite old now, isn't it? Uh, when, it, when it was on the television, of course, you can imagine lots of teenagers liking to use that phrase. And um, there were times when you could get quite cross about that, when they just looked and said, am I bothered? But I'm asking you that question this morning. And I'm asking myself that question this morning. Am I bothered? Am I bothered enough? Because if I'm not bothered enough, the very things that Peter warns us of is what we'll start to be. We'll start to be ineffective and unproductive and short-sighted and blind, forgetting that Jesus has forgiven our past sins. And we could stumble. We could stumble. And my last question, oops, sorry, will you make every effort so remembering the grace and peace that is ours through the knowledge of Jesus worried, concerned that we will be ineffective or unproductive as Christians will you make will I make every effort to be better and Peter talks about self-control we need to be self-disciplined we you don't, you know, I could, I could uh, wake up every morning and think, I'm going to go for a run this morning, and then just go back to sleep. Actually, there's an awful lot more self-control and determination to actually be better at something. It takes an awful, awful lot. I'm, I'm one that sort of gives up very easy. Trace isn't, which is why she runs marathons, because she is so determined to get to that finish line. I'm just so determined to find a coffee shop so we've got different sorts but it takes an awful more, more effort to, 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 um, to run a marathon and then the other thing that Peter reminds us he, he reminds us that actually you know we, we do it because actually we benefit from the love and kindness of each other so when we as Christians may become ineffective and unproductive and short sighted we need each other to be kind to us. We need each other to love us so we can get back up and keep going. It's uh, end of performance years in, uh, in my job. I would imagine that it's probably, probably not because we do financial years. So uh, I've written my, um, up my PADP, my, I can't even remember what it stands for, um, but it's about all the things that I've done and, um, 
And what I've done this financial year, and I'll have to go and talk to Amanda and all those sorts of people about that, about what I've done, and if I've had any input or impact, sorry, in the region that I, that I have responsibility for. Um, one of the things that we like to use in our performance management stuff is, uh, do, does the person go the extra mile? And um, it's actually written in one of the things, so sometimes if you've got to be banned one, you've got to have evidence that you've gone the extra mile. And actually, you know, that phrase comes from what Jesus once said. Um, it's in Matthew, uh, when he's just uh, talking after the Beatitudes, and he says, Jesus said, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. And that's the challenge I leave you and myself. If I'm really making every effort as a Christian, because I so much value the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the peace that he gives me with him because I am right with him, then I will avoid being everything that isn't right for him. I will make every effort. I will go that extra mile. And I won't make an excuse. If you really love Jesus, if I really love Jesus, make every effort and not an excuse. Let's pray, shall we? Dear Jesus, you died on a cross for us because you love us. You rose again from the dead, which means that you can forgive us our sins, the things that we do wrong. You love us every single minute of the day. You're with us every single minute of the day. We have and experience that grace and peace from you. Help us to make every effort to build our knowledge of you, not just through reading the Bible, but we want to know it, Lord. We want to know passages. We want to know scriptures so that we know them off by heart. But actually, the knowledge of you, because we're just with you every day, that we talk to you, that we listen to you. That we just spend time with you. And when we're weary as Christians, when we're tired and worn out, we pray, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us. So that we can always become effective for you that we can always be aware of you and do the things that you want us to do help us not to be passive in our faith help us to want to grow for we ask it in your name and in your name because we know that you have the power and you have given us everything we need to do the very things that we thought about. Amen.